It's the Go Gopher Podcast with Mike Grimm, episode number 70. I am Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited for this week's episode. We get our first chance to go in-depth with new Gopher women's basketball coach, Don Plitzelwhite. She took over the program in March and is now formulating the program. We'll find out how the transition has been going, what has surprised her the most, what she's most excited about, and what the future of the program looks like in her vision. You're going to enjoy our conversation. The Go Gopher Podcast episode 70 is presented by alumni-owned Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone, and True North M&A serves companies with revenues up to $150 million. Get a confidential, no-cost, no-obligation business valuation started today. Make the most of your life's work. Visit Sunbelt sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today. We're also sponsored by Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union here on the Go Gopher podcast. Affinity Plus is your local credit union throughout the state of Minnesota. They're a big time gopher supporter. You can find out more at affinityplus.org slash go gophers. Our podcast is also brought to you by State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland at champlininsurance.com. We're podcasting episode 70 from the Aquarius Home Services studio. We invite you to subscribe to the go go for podcast you can also go back and listen to previous shows last week for example we took a deep dive into the dinky town athletes nil collective with co-founder rob gag go back and listen to that show it's well worth it it's been one of our most listened to podcasts so far this week it's episode 70 and we're talking golden gopher women's basketball with brand new head coach don plitzelwhite who will join me next I'm Clay Geary, walk-on, turn scholarship, wide receiver for Gopher football. And I'm Ben Utek, U of M alumni, Super Bowl champion, and Tony Dungy Uncommon Award winner. We understand championship culture, which is why we're part of the True North family of companies. True North invests in only elite teams, like the champion team at Sunbelt Business Advisors, Minnesota's largest seller of companies. To learn more about True North and our diverse family of independently owned companies, visit truenorthequitypartners.com. Hi, Gopher fans. Switching is easy. We do it all the time. We switch on lights. We switch TV channels. We switch on the TV. And with the new transfer portal, some college students even switch colleges, which can seem crazy to us diehard fans. But what's not crazy is how you can switch and save with State Farm. In fact, my agency can switch you over so we can start saving today. My team is ready to welcome you to the State Farm neighborhood and show you it is, in fact, easy to switch and save. When you want the real deal, check us out at champlininsurance.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Episode 70 of the Go Gopher podcast. My pleasure to welcome the new women's basketball coach at the University of Minnesota, Don Plitzelwhite. Two years, or two years, uh, we'll see what happens in two years. Two months now on the uh, on <laughs> the job this week. Felt busy, and yeah. I think we've gotten quite a bit done, but I don't think we've uh, made quite. it to the two-year uh, mark and how many things we've gotten done yet in the first yeah. two months. Two months uh, in, um, and it has been, I'm sure, hectic when you're trying to do all that a coach needs to do to establish right. early on what you need to do, build a roster, establish the culture, buy a house, probably all that stuff, right? Both uh, professionally and personally. So how has the transition been? 
Well, it certainly has been busy and it's been fun at the same time. And the the most important thing that, that we have done in the last few weeks has been to really try to spend time with the people, mm-hmm. the people who are here, the people in our program, our young ladies that we're coaching, build our, our coaching staff, recruiting. That's all about the people as well. And whether that's spending time with coaches whether and certainly getting young ladies on the phone and, and getting them here on campus. And, you know, we've, we've added a few young ladies to our roster. And so it's been, it's been about the people and then to meet the people who are big supporters of our program. And that honestly hasn't happened as much as we would like it to, but the next few months will be really important in doing that as well. So it's really been about the people. Uh, now we got to work to get settled. Yeah. Cause I suppose logistically there are things that you have to do just to, like I said, is it, whether it's buying a house, moving offices, all that, but then uh, recruiting, um, then you have to worry about the, the people who are already have their feet on the ground here to, to connect right. with them, right? Right. That's uh, really the people who are here are the most important people. And so everything else has kind of been <laughs> pushed to the, to the sideline, if you will, a little bit. And now it's now it's getting a little bit nerve wracking. Like we probably should buy a house at some yeah. point in time. We do need to get that accomplished. You do need to get moved. And it's been convenient. I've been living in an apartment less than a block from campus. So that's been been great. The, the commute to work has been really simple so far, but it'll get a little bit more challenging once we do get settled. But it's been about really building building the, the relationships with the, the people who are here and building relationships and hiring staff and then building relationships with people who, who are important in our program and recruits that we want to take a really good, hard look and see if we're the right fit for them. The uh, the main staff you brought with you from, from uh, West Virginia, how important is that just from a stability standpoint that you're also not having to, uh, you know, establish some connection with, with, you know, some of the most important people in the program? Well, our, our assistant coaches who were with me at South Dakota and also at West Virginia, you know, they're, they're really a, a godsend in a lot of ways, a great blessing for, for me and for our program because they know how we do things. Mm-hmm. And so when we had five and a half weeks or so of working out uh, with our team here and with the returners, and so it was incredible because they our coaches can take, take different aspects of what we do as a program and skill development and jump right in and implement it right away and answer questions and they know the why. They have connections to a lot of the recruits that we're talking to and building connections with the ones who are new, you know, to to us now. And and also just they, they know how we operate and how we do things. And so they've they're gonna be settled a lot faster yeah. than that I and our family are settled and that's <laughs> totally fine. They need to be really comfortable. And then from from that standpoint um, we've also retained some of the staff who's been here, and that's really helpful for us as well because they know how we do things within the university setting and and what makes the most sense. And so that's that's been great as well for us with Melissa Maines, with Jan Whitbeck, and with Rachel Banham, a really yeah. familiar name here with the Gophers. Then we've added two coaches or two other uh, staff members, I guess I should say, a video director or coordinator of yeah. video services, whatever the exact title is. And Tyler, and Tyler was with us at West Virginia, and and that t- film is a really big part of what we do not just during the school year, but also in recruiting. So we're downloading film, we're sharing film, we're clipping film. We are doing that for our own players when we had time in the postseason to be doing workouts. We were grabbing film from other teams, either either players that we knew or either games that our, our team or the Gophers had played in the past and sh- comparing different things. And so that the film aspect is really, really big for us. From a recruiting standpoint, we download a lot of film, we're watching it. So to have Tyler, who already knows how we 
we do that has been incredibly valuable for us. You know, then we we added a position from a creative content standpoint, and Megan is with us. Megan's with us at West Virginia, and one part of what she did is one part of her job that the job that she's doing now she can actually do at a, a very high level because she can focus on that area where before as our director of ops she was doing so many different things and that at the same time and a really good job with it. So there's a, a lot of pieces we're still looking at at or we should have a GA but I don't know if we can announce that yeah. quite yet but we're we're really really close in that scenario. So it's been finding the the right people and connecting with the right people is the most important thing. You know, we tell recruits this you can come and look at Athletes Village and boy we have all the bells and whistles and it is impressive and it is incredible and bells and whistles are great and we have the the tools and the access and the modalities here to not only develop our young ladies but also to help them recover to the best of their ability but at the same time bells and whistles don't make you happy and they don't keep you happy it is all about the people and so having the right people here is what this is about and and that's what we've spent our time in the last few weeks working on. Yeah, getting that base right just from the start so you're ready to roll. Um, So you have uh, done a nice job of career progression, right, from Northern Kentucky to South Dakota to West Virginia uh, and now to Minnesota. So you've made the jump a few times. Uh, Does that past experience in each one of those jumps help uh, get established? I don't want to say easier because it's never easy, but the transition now that you've been through transitions before? Well, I think the the biggest thing you understand is that all those other things are going to fall into place yeah. you know and so we keep saying we haven't haven't gotten settled yet but that's probably because the right place hasn't popped yet like we're we're, we're it's not the right one yeah. you know or there's a timing in all of this and so this is just a part that I, uh, my phrase i use a lot is this too shall pass we'll get yeah. through these challenges and these these difficult times you and we'll focus on what really matters at this point in time. So in a way it does because there's past experience of knowing. Now we've, when we've relocated in the past, our kids were younger. Our kids are in college and done with college. And so I think it's, you know, we're at a stage right now where it is really, uh, where we have the time. I have the time personally to really focus on how we need to move forward and, and build the program, you know, in the first few weeks. Yeah. And I suppose too, to, I mean, just in the last five years, the uh, just stuff is has changed anyway, where um, a move 10 years ago, you could take some stuff. But even as you talk about right. the staff, I'm guessing uh, some of what you've added as a staff wasn't even maybe available when you moved to South Dakota, right? I mean, in terms of what you needed. Film film 15 right. years ago might have been an intern. And now exactly. there's a whole department within a program, right? Well, it's it is it's evolving at all at all times, and I think what our staff has done a really good job of over the course of the last our our coaching staff has been together now going on, I guess this would be year three for our whole staff. It's year seven, I think, for Jason and I working together. Year eight, I think it is for Aaron and I working together. And so what we've done though is, as a staff is really kind of aligned where each of our skills are best suited and and our staff dynamics and how we go about doing things may be different than a staff that we had at at northern mm-hmm. kentucky or staff that we had at a different place so i think we've learned how what our groove is and how to how to stay in sync with each other and how to how to really work together at a high level plus i think this is really important 
we have a lot of fun doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We spend a lot, a lot of time together. And so it's important that we enjoy each other's company. We have a lot of fun doing it. You know, and I think that your your players have a sense that, that, there's, a, a, that there's a unity there. And, and so it's been really important for us, you know, to kind of figure out how to not only work together and work in stride, you know, but also continue to challenge each other too. Philosophically, if you could in one sentence describe how your program, how you want to operate the program philosophically, what how would you describe it? Cliff Notes version first, and then we'll Cliff go. Cliff Notes yeah. version, I would say three words. Yeah. Every moment matters. Okay. The, the next phrase I would use is, is the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And that's really how our program is, 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 is at its best, is that when we focus on the, the most minor details and we keep stacking those, the aggregate of marginal gain, we keep getting a little bit better in certain areas or a lot of areas, then all of a sudden, boom, it seems like, wow, this just happened. It didn't just happen. It was very intentional. And so those are a couple of the ways I think we would describe what our philosophy is. And then in terms, as we go deeper into that now, how you coach your team, um, uh, how how I'm trying to think. Is it how demanding is it? Like, well, there'll be times where a player might be like, "Man, holy cow, this is this is hard." But then, but it's worth it because at the end, you're making them a better player. Or I guess I'm saying, will you be considered a player's coach, or are you more of like this old school? We're gonna just work it, work here, a combo in there. I would say it's a little bit different than that. I would probably okay. analyze it this way, in that. I grew up, I went to, I thought I was going to go to college to be a kindergarten teacher. Then I decided I was going to move into the math and science world and I was going to be a math teacher. And then I got into theoretical math and I said, I don't even understand this. So let's, (laughs) let's just stay with real math. I don't need to explain why. I just want to solve the problems. So then I moved to biology. You know, so when, when players come in and they say, I really want to major in this, I'm like, okay, we'll yeah, see if that's see, exactly where, where you end up. up. Yeah. But the, or if that's really the job, the field you get into when yeah. it's all said and done anyway. But in my mind, there's, a, there's an analytics behind a lot of it. And so I think one of the things that our staff really strives to do is teach our players why we're doing what we're doing. And then I'll ask them a question. The question is, how many timeouts do we get in the game? How many timeouts do we get to call? And they just say, I don't really know. Is it three? Is it is it says four? Yeah, I bet they don't. Most they don't, don't because right? they don't yeah. really call timeouts all yeah. that often. In in the women's game, we don't have the user lose a timeout in the first half anymore. We can save our timeouts and then advance the ball in the last minute of the game. And so we try to get to the last minute of the game, ideally with three timeouts sure. in our pocket to hold on to that. So what does that mean? That means maybe we're calling one timeout a game. So then what has to happen? Then our players, there's a lot of stuff that goes on during the course of the game that our players have to know how to make adjustments to on their own. And so what we try to do is help them learn how to how why we're doing it and then how to problem solve. So we can coach them from the sideline, but the reality is they know how to fix things and change things and right. alter things and adjust accordingly and how to attack in a little bit different way or how is the other team attacking and how do we counter that so that they can actually make adjustments during the course of the game. So it's more of teaching them how to coach 
themselves in sure. a lot of ways. And is there, do you, are your teams typically when, when you'd watch them, um, and I know you're a former point guard, um, it, it, do you usually have like a point guard who's a coach on the floor too, or is that when you've had success? Or do, I mean, obviously you'd love all right. five of them or 10 or how many you're playing to really have that instinct, but does it help to have one or two that really you can count on to, to know what to do and win? Well, absolutely it does. And those are your performance leaders. Yep. And so within our program, we'll have a number of different leaders. And so you have your performance leaders on the court. And those are, are players that their teammates really look to them to be the ones to have the voice to when you huddle at a free th- at yeah. a free throw, you know, and, and you're talking, who has the knowledge base and who knows what should be said at that point in time? And have they been trained? Have we helped them understand what could take place in that in that huddle to actually make it be a meaningful time when we're together you know who, and when we get done with our timeouts and they go out on the court there's a time that they typically huddle and they have their own little yeah. fun and they have their <laughs> what's being said right, during right. those times or how are they changing how are they fixing things on the court so absolutely but it's interesting because over the course of time we've had sometimes those are point guards and sometimes those are post players. Sure. So it really depends on the dynamics within your team. And honestly, that's going to be really important for us this year because we'll be a very young team. We have some experienced players, but we don't necessarily have a lot of upperclassmen and that's okay. That's Mm -hmm. so then we just need to have other, we need to figure out who exactly will be that voice. As you have been able, I know you don't get to spend a lot of time in workouts, but you do, it's more now than it used to be, right? right? And so take me through what the last uh, eight weeks has been like and what you see from the current players on the roster. Well, I would say this, first and foremost, they have been sponges. You know, they're just trying to soak up as much as they possibly can. And what's been fun is for them to watch, we'll watch film in the practice, pull yeah. You know, open the doors up, watch the TV and show a couple clips, then go out and do the drill, then come back and show the next few clips, then go do that drill, come back the next day, show film from that practice. Look at what we did. And then when we first started, we were explaining the why behind what we were doing and how that translates into how we become more efficient. Again, the number yeah. system, the analytics of it, you know, that it's not always a squared plus B squared equals C squared. But there are times in the game that you have to figure out how to make adjustments. And so as they're watching the film, it's been interesting because the NCAA tournament was going on still during that time period. And they'd come back after watching games and kind of analyze different parts of the game. Well, you know, they should have done this. They should have done that. Or they that was a – we were working on that in practice. So yeah. that we didn't have that takeoff travel. We don't get sped up or whatever the case is. So it's been – it's been it was absolutely incredible. It was five and a half weeks of so much fun being with our players and really helping them understand why we're doing the things that now – to teach them. Now they have – I think it's – probably six weeks where we are not together working out before we begin again in June, how can they take some of those details and continue to work on their games? So again, that's important, right? So that you know when you leave though that that postseason period, how do you actually continue to work on your own to get better? How do you continue to to grow as an individual, whether that is in a, an actual skill of shooting it or handling it better, or whether it's in how to take care of the ball better? And you're thinking, well, you're one on zero. What does that really look like? Well, here's some drills that can help with some footwork that alleviate takeoff travels. Mm-hmm. 
And if we can alleviate takeoff travels in the game, all of a sudden we may gain three more possessions or two more possessions in the game. So working on and or scoring around the rim, how do we become more efficient? How do I work on that now, even though I'm not with coaches? What is what is something that I heard over and over and over again? So that's why we keep it really, really simple so that they can replicate it to the best of their ability when they're not with us. Skill-wise, what was your assessment of the current players on right. the roster? Great question. I think a very skilled group. And I really believe that a, a group where because they want something so badly, they really want to be good, and that's that's important. Mm-hmm. That desire is is immensely important in continuing to grow and build and have success. Because they want to have success, they are willing to do the things on their own to work on their games. And so what's been what's I think we're pretty skilled. I do. Mm-hmm. Do I think that overall every player has all the skills that they need? No, not even close. And and nor will they by the time that we start. They're going to continue. And this is what's been really fun for our teams in the past, and will be fun here, is to watch watch how our players continue to grow their games. And maybe it's their probably the easiest one to look at is how does someone who maybe wasn't as comfortable shooting from the arc become more comfortable? And and what I told them is there's there's a progression that you go through as a shooter. One, you have to start by shooting outside of practice on your own and you're missing. Then you start making them when you're shooting on your own. Then you get into practice and unfortunately when you start in practice shooting more shots and hunting more shots and being aggressive, you miss them. Yeah. But if you stop there because you're missing shots and you're saying, oh, my bad, I missed shots. If you're stopping there, then you don't get to the next step. And the next step is then you're in practice, you start making shots. Then the next step is you start taking them in games. And unfortunately, a lot of times you don't make them right away. Then you grow to where it all kind of comes full circle. And so what we've tried to encourage, you know, our young ladies is that there there's a progression. And so you can't right now, we're, it's not November 8th. It's not opening right. day for us at this point in time. This is we we're back in, in, in at the end of March and in April. This is time to grow. This is time to be OK with being uncomfortable. And so I, I do think that we are skilled. I do believe that. I, I think we've got a long ways to go yet to where we can even kind of come close to tapping all of our ability. Does uh, your experience as a coach then help? Because certainly you'd love it to be linear where a player starts right. here and then it goes right here and by November 8th they're great. But there's going to be, Absolutely. as you mentioned, some dips. So all of a sudden you're shooting and making them on your own and now with a hand in the face in practice maybe it's a step right. back. Um, with your experience now knowing that, hey, there's some patience here because I'm sure in an ideal world you love it just to, to skyrocket. But knowing that, okay, I see this. I see what's right. happening here, and we're getting. When do you know that? Okay, yeah, these these guys, this, they're on the right track here, even if they're not where we want them to be yet. Well, I think we're on the right track. I believe that. I, I've I've watched that. I've witnessed it, yeah. and and sent them actually, you know, a video of of kind of our highlights from the postseason when we had some pretty good footage of doing that. And again, we're film junkies. We sure. watch all those things, but for them to see it, see their games continuing to grow, and that's what's been fun about showing film within the practice setting, and they can see, and then they can stop it, and I'll say, "What do you think of this?" Yeah, we got to sit to pass. That's one of our phrases. Got to get to two feet, and then get in, get in balance, and then or pass with their outside hand. You know, mm-hmm. I you know I didn't catch shoot. I didn't lift the ball that time, and so they can watch it and identify. You know, it was how do we do it? Taking our time at the rim. 
Oh, actually, pretty good. I agree. That's pretty good. That yeah. this isn't a quiz that it's that things aren't with how they're supposed to be. And so it's been really, it was really fun during that time. I kind of miss it, honestly, right now. Yeah. I, but the break is important too because it's allowed us to focus on other areas within our program that are also really important. Give me a second, quick here, to talk about Affinity Plus. It's your local credit union, proudly serving Minnesota since 1930. As a current Gopher student, or if you're a proud Gopher alum, you are eligible to join a financial that wants. To to build a meaningful banking relationship with you and put you first. You can meet with a local employee at any of their branches statewide, including right off campus in Minneapolis. To learn more or find another way to connect, visit affinityplus.org slash gogophers. That's affinityplus.org slash gogophers. Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. We thank them for their support of the Go Gopher podcast. I know when Gopher fans look at last year, and I suppose you have watched, I'm sure, most of the games just to see kind of what what unfolded one of the one of the big issues certainly was well, first of all you play four freshmen in a league like the Big Ten particularly this year when it was so good um, it's hard right it's a hard league um, there were a lot of turnovers um, and and I'm sure much much of that is well they're young right they're right. learning for the first time but are there also ways you hope they improve just because they're getting older but are there also ways that that you can you know, coach a team to, to not turn it over 20 times. Absolutely. You know, you know what, what are some ways? When we got to West Virginia a year ago, we we inherited a team that had re, had averaged about 17 turnovers a game. After one season together, we were down to about 13, just over 13 a game. The year before that at South Dakota, our team actually finished second in the country in fewest turnovers. And so what is it that we do? Well, we look at how, how are those turnovers how are they caused? Mm-hmm. One could be takeoff travel. So then let's work on when we square up, even if it's a shooting drill, whether it's a passing drill, maybe it's a ball handling drill, maybe it's a drill to work on scoring at the rim, driving drill. But we're going to work on the takeoff because that's one way to eliminate some some turnovers. Then we're going to look at do we when we penetrate or when we're passing it, are we in balance? Are we passing with our outside hand? Are we getting to two feet before we make decisions? Are we checking our passes? Are we are we sealing if we're passing inside of the post? Are we sealing well? Are we seeing those kids at the right time? Are we passing away from the defense? And and how do we, we look at all those types of things and then break it down? But then at the same time, then we speed them back up sure. and then we compete. And when we compete, we we have a drill that we do. It's a four-on-four drill. And in our four-on-four drill, you get nine possessions. Okay, In your nine possessions, you have to score at least four out of nine times. So we that's about 44%, something around those Mm-hmm. that number. We'd like to actually get up to five or six times out of, out of nine. But typically, if we don't give our players an advantage in that, that can be kind of challenging to do that all the time. So four out of nine is the goal. Out of those nine possessions, we're only allowed to turn it over one time. Why? Well, if there are, in the game of basketball, a high possession game would be 81 possessions in a game. Usually it's the high 60s into 70s. But let's say it's 81 possessions in the game. Well, if you have nine possessions, 81 divided by nine is nine. So if we want to turn the ball over, and ideally for us, we want to turn it over 12 or less and ideally get that number down to 11 or less times a game. We need to find a way to chart that and drill that. So the way we do that is say, okay, we, you're, we're allowed one turnover only in this drill. That's it. And so then what it does over the course of time is it makes players very aware within that possession. I have got to value the basketball because we've already turned it over one time, yeah. and we have four possessions left. Now, we still have to score, so we can't just be 
passive and just take care of the ball. We have to do both. Now, is it a perfect system? No, but for whatever reason, over the course of time, it has helped us really understand the value of the basketball. That's just one example. Sure. But in our practices, we will have segments where the, the, the value, we have to value the basketball. And if we don't, then we have to find a way to hold, have accountability. And what is that accountability? Well, for us in this drill, it is run all the way from the baseline to the first free throw line and back. So it's not as if it's a really tough punishment, if you will, but there's an accountability piece. There's an awareness piece. Yeah, it's like having the rubber band on the wrist, right? right. It's not going to kill you, but you understand that right. it's not right. So is there what is the fine line, too, between uh, playing smart, and I don't want to say risk-adverse, because you do want to minimize risk, but also you can't play scared, right? You right. can't just hold it. So where is that fine line of free-flowing offense, okay, we know what we're doing, um, without just being so willy-nilly the ball's going to the other team a lot. Well, and I think that's for us. It's that aggressive mindset. Yeah. And so our players are, every time they have the ball, we want them to catch to shoot. It doesn't mean catch and shoot every time, <laughs> but catch and be a threat. Yep. If you are a threat every single time, you've got that aggressiveness. But then for us, so we're, we're constantly encouraging our players to be really, really aggressive. At the same time, there is that balance with we need to also be smart and efficient. We need to take care of the basketball. And so our big thing is possession. We need possession and we need shots. Yeah. So we get shots on eight out of nine possessions, now we need aggressiveness within that because we still have to be able to score. That's where that that number comes, the next number comes. At the same time, you're not going to necessarily make four out of nine all the time. So now you're working on rebounding, offensive rebounding, valuing. But, you know, I think for us it's a, it's a matter of understanding – Possession of the basketball really, you, what's that phrase? You can't rebound a turnover. Yeah, you know, right. so we can be a great offensive rebounding team, but we need to actually get shots to do that. And so that means sometimes if the pass isn't perfect, that's okay. One of our big tenants within our program is is this mindset of find a way. And we talk a lot about toughness and togetherness. So if the ball is being, if I'm passing you the ball, Mike, you better come up with it. Yeah. Right? It's between the two of us. Yeah. The I have to deliver it. You've got to come up with it. And if I throw a not very good pass to you and it gets deflected, then one of the two of us had better save the possession. If that means we have to tip it, dive on the floor, do whatever we have to do to get possession of the basketball, retain possession of the basketball, sometimes the the, the most fun possessions in the game of basketball are the ones that are not nearly how you drew it up. You know, it's a deflected pass and then it gets tipped again and then someone dives and then tips it to the next kid and then you lay it in. Yeah. And as a coach, you always think to yourself, oh, that's exactly how we drew no that up. No problem, right. And so I think it's a it's a mentality of we're going to stay with plays longer than our opponents, even if it's not exactly how it's drawn up. Because that and and the fun of our offense is that there's not it's not an A to B to C offense. It is okay, we're we're trying we're attacking to score. Or we're hunting shots, we're being aggressive, we are catching to be a threat. And so while we're doing that. Then one of the things I asked our players the other day when we were working out yet is, okay, so when we, a lot of teams when they get sped up, okay, so they get an offensive rebound and now they're doubled, or they get the ball on the block and now they're doubled, or a team just double teams a, a ball screen, or they jump a passing lane, or whatever the case is, they try to speed their opponents up. At that point in time, when when we learn to attack and be in control, we can take advantage of that. Sure. Now we can use that to our advantage and get an easier shot, ideally that risk-reward part, as long as we attack and we're in control. At the same time, sometimes when you 
when you're really good defensively, you can work to speed a team up. They can get out of that that pickle, if you will, out of that that traffic area, get the ball out, but still not get a good shot. So then I asked him, so now how do we go about create? Now we need to create an advantage. We had an advantage and we didn't get a shot out of it. So now what's the next thing we can do to create an advantage in the game of basketball? And they looked at me and finally, I think it was Maggie looked and said, you can screen to gain an advantage. Exactly. That's the next part. And so teaching them instead of they're in the game offensively, the game of basketball, spacing is really important. There are a lot of coaches who say spacing, you know, the number one key. Well, that's great. But if you don't have movement, then the spacing may not provide you enough of an advantage to be able to score. When you have great movement, you don't always have great spacing. When you have great spacing, you don't have great movement. So how do you work to put them together? And that's kind of a an ebb and a flow. And sometimes it looks a little bit better than others. And sometimes it, it you have to adjust to how different teams defend, those type of things. And so teaching our players why. Mm-hmm. And so the very next possession, Mallory, actually, the ball got, we got out of that double team area, kicked it out, didn't get a shot. And then Mallory immediately went into screening action. I thought... Man, they're getting it. <laughs> she, they, they get it fast, yeah. and, and so she she understood the why. Rather than coaches saying, "Hey, now's when you have to go screen," she understood the why and went ahead and did it. And so I think just helping our players understand yeah. what the how do you attack, but be in control. Then how do you gain another advantage? What kind of what does that look like? Is it a ball screen? Is it a different type of screen, a back screen, a shuffle screen, a flare screen, a, what is it, a double screen. Uh, so teaching our players those type of things really helps them recognize why. Then where are your gaps within it and where are your openings? And then how do you attack those different openings within in the game? So is it baseline? Is it a middle drive? Is it a rail drive? What does it look like? So they, yeah. and again, they're sponges, so it's been really fun. The um, In football, that would be called like off-schedule plays, like when the quarterback, the play's called, he's back, it breaks down, then he scrambles and guys are flying around. And that's, uh, in recent times, the analytics have indicated teams that are really good at off-schedule plays end up winning more than teams that, that can't get to that point. It sounds like that's a that's little right. like that. Part of right. why I bring that up with football is, um, have you gotten a chance to talk or spend any time with PJ Fleck yet? I have a little bit. Yeah, because okay. as, as we're talking here, and this is our first extended time, um, you remind me a little of, because uh, he's always talking about the why. We're teaching right. the why. Film study. He want, he wanted to be a sixth grade social studies teacher. In fact, okay. I, think, I, think, I think he actually had that job for a little bit. He actually was teaching sixth grade. So you're kindergarten, he's sixth grade. So there is a lot of um, similarities in what you guys are um, talking about, just with, with, with uh, and I suppose that just is in general terms, no matter the sport, there's a certain culture, philosophy that um, when it fits, it fits. Right. Well, I actually watched them practice a few weekends ago, and it was fascinating to me. And I, I can see the connection between a lot of things that we teach. They're the details, and I'm watching their practice run like a well-oiled machine, and yet I get so easily distracted, yeah. and there was so much going on that I was just in, in awe of how how efficient they are within their time and and actually talk to a number of the people who weren't involved in practice at the time about how do they go about doing this and why are they doing that right now and what does this exactly look like so it was that was really fun for me to be a part of of watching that yeah he um he had the the practice even if you know football and you go to practice 
it, you can be confused by it. It's organized. It's not right. confusing at all for them. It's like organized chaos. But it's a similar thing to what you're talking about. They, um, he wants to put the players in a position um, that they're going to have to learn, and then they can show them film later. Well, here's what happened, and right. um, and you know one of the things he always says is uh, failing is growth. So they want right. them to make mistakes. So they understand. Okay, this is the limit to which I can push to to make a play right and. That's where I got to stop. As he says, put the hand on the stove. We won't do that again and, and move on. So I, I, I see right. some similarities there. I believe that there probably are. Yeah. We, we use the phrase, there's no growth in the comfort zone. So if we're really comfortable doing what we're doing, then we're not growing. Yeah. But there's no comfort in the growth zone. <laughs> and that's really challenging too. So being okay with being uncomfortable is really a hard concept. It really is. But watching our players gravitate to that and say, wow, I'm really learning. I'm growing. I'm getting better right now. This is an awful lot of fun. Okay, great. Because now we're going to work on the next thing that we're not very good at. And then we're not going to be, when we will have recruits come watch us practice, I always tell them, we're not going to change what we are and who we are because you're here. We're not. We're going to get better today. And a lot of times if they come, the first day that we (laughs) are working on maybe getting doubled in the post, let's say. And they watch it. We're, we're working on a skill because not many players are really good at it, and maybe we're not very good at it. And I remember a very specific example of a day we were working on that at South Dakota, and we had our number one recruit there. And the drill we were doing that day, we looked awful at, just terrible because we weren't very good. But then the next day, we were a lot better. And then by day three of doing it, we were really good. And then we moved on to the next rule or next aspect that we weren't very good at. And then we kind of revert a little bit. And so it's important for us as we get into scheduling to try to give ourselves those two to three days of practicing different skills against different teams or looks that they, we believe they're going to give us to help us feel as comfortable as possible, especially with a young team. Yeah, for sure. Um, we got a little bit of time left here, but I got, I want to hit on a few other things. Um, you mentioned that um, what you're going through now is, is the people getting people around you and relationships clearly are important. I want to ask you about the newcomers. Some will be coming here in the right. summer. Some will be coming here uh, in the fall or I guess yeah, the fall semester. Um, but you were able to uh, uh, get some players that you had previous uh, relationships with. So again, going back right. to that importance of, of those relationships. Tell us about, uh, first of all, the timeline, because right. you know it's, I don't follow every minute, every day of what's going on. So the timeline of the newcomers and what they can mean to the program when they do step foot on campus. Right. We had a few young ladies who were signed, committed and signed, and all except one of them have re- remained Committed and signed, yep. which is incredible. So that's been great. So they're really excited to be a part of of Minnesota women's basketball and a part of our university. So that has been great. Had a chance to talk to them on a few different occasions, ones who are closer, had a chance to meet them face to face, you know, and that's been that was really, really special. And sometimes even with their families. And so that's just been that's been really fun for me at the same and for our staff. At the same time, then we also were looking to add a few few players to our roster yet. And so when in going through that process, you know, we, we do have two two freshmen who have who were going to play for us at West Virginia, both from Wisconsin, who have now committed and signed. So now we can talk about that. Right, I go right. through that in my mind, make sure that we're all clear. <laughs> Everything's been good there. And then we also added a young lady out of the transfer portal as well. And so it's been I think ultimately for us, it's like we talked about earlier, it's more important for us to do it well and to do it right than to do it 
as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And so that's been that that's been a process of really trying to not only build relationships with our young ladies here, but also help grow our our program with players that we believe complement the players that we have currently in our on our roster to a high level. Ideally if your teams play exactly how you want, how is that going to look on the court? Yeah, fast and fast and tough. I think yeah. you know the, this was really interesting. I was coaching at Northern Kentucky at the time and we were coaching I was coaching at at Florida Gulf Coast. And after the game, one of the reporters asked me a question. And then he answered the question for me. And so I thought, oh, okay, that was a great question. He said, so when I watch your team, I would say that versatility and toughness are really important for you. Is that how you go out? Do you go out and recruit versatility and toughness? Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. Do you want me to elaborate any more on yeah. that? But I think those are probably two phrases that you hear about our players and our our teams over the course of time. Is that there's there's a, a, a toughness, and then there's a versatility piece, and then I think the the part that is really the most exciting is that there is a. Our, our players play, and ideally, with a, a great deal of joy and fun. It's important that they – loving the process is is not always easy. But when you see growth and you understand why, it usually becomes a little bit easier. But also, we our, our goal as coaches, and mine certainly as our, our coaches, to help us have fun doing what we're doing. I really believe that if our young ladies, and they will, they'll work going to work their tails off. That's that's going to happen. But when they work their tails off and they're having fun doing it, then watch out. Then right. we could we could do some pretty special things. And that what what does that timeline look like? I don't know. I, I'm not really sure. But I I really believe in this group of young ladies, and I think that they are going to give us everything that they have. And now we're going to have to continue to help them grow along their path. Mentioned two of the players are coming from Wisconsin, which is your home state. Um, you had family members at your uh, opening introductory news conference here. Um, how how neat has that been? I know you've been busy, but also to kind of be back in the in the upper Midwest area. With, you know, Minnesota and Wisconsin, great big rivalry. We hate each other, right. but there's so many. I mean, other than the imaginary state line, there's so much similarity between the two states in terms of how people, you know, are generally good natured, good right. people, what have you. So how has that been to be back uh, in, in the Midwest and coaching again? Obviously, you're at South Dakota, which also is, right. you know, kind of in that same boat. Well, it's been really special, very honestly, because people, uh, what I didn't realize is how many former not former players or a player's mom who now moved here. The families are here. Ham on campus. I work on campus. Do you want to go have coffee? Hey, Don, you recruited me, but I didn't pick your school, but I now live here and I can help you. I'm like, really? That's really awesome. But that was 25 years ago. Actually, it's probably longer than that, yeah. but we'll just stay with 25. So that was pretty neat. You know, it, it, I was able I was able, I think it was during the Final Four. A lot of coaches go mm-hmm. to the Final Four. I did not go to the Final Four this year because I wanted to stay and work with our players. Mm-hmm. But then on that Friday when we were done, then I was able to actually drive to Wisconsin and see my family for the first time in a really long time. So that was really special to be able to do that. You know, So our son graduated from, you know, from college and having him have that opportunity at South Dakota and to go pick all his stuff up and move him and just load it up and the best 
best part was our, uh, we had a number of people that I'm like, are you coming to Minneapolis anytime soon? Can we put this in the back of your vehicle? Can yeah. you bring it? And they said, sure, absolutely. Now, granted, they were our coaches. Yeah. So, you know, they're all right here. So that was pretty special. That is neat. Um, and is he going to play again? Is he? He is. I think he's, he's deciding what's going to what his next step is. And so I think he's pretty close. Can't quite disclose yeah. exactly what I think is going to be next, but yes, he, he was AJ, is AJ, that, yeah, right. He was so at South Dakota. He was at South Dakota yeah. and he actually had a, a terror, the worst knee injury I've ever seen in college mm. basketball. So a little bit like a Teddy Bridgewater type of an injury. He dislocated his entire knee and very, very fortunate. He didn't have any nerve damage or vascular damage. There was actually an orthopedic surgeon at the game courtside. It was just an incredible blessing. He, that surgeon actually wasn't supposed to be at the game, put his knee right back in. And so tore his ACL, MCL, LCL, and hamstring. His PCL was intact. You oh know? And goodness. so came back, I think it was about 16 months later. And and is you know loving basketball and and that that was quite a quite a journey. So I think for him, you know, to continue to play as long as possible is something he would love to do. Then I'm trying to talk him out of it, but he wants to get into coaching. Does he? Yeah, yeah. you know, no, yeah. I'm not Imagine trying to talk about it. Family business. That's right. right. Um, and does he play his style kind of fit uh, that toughness, that versatility you talk about? Yeah, I think our daughter is a point guard. Our son is a point guard, and I think they they both play with a great deal of of toughness although I'm telling our son most of the time you have to rebound more and, you know uh, but he's yeah I think he does he plays with a little bit of toughness and I think he showed a great deal of toughness to come back from you yeah. know an extensive injury like he had and so it was and when it when I was there when it happened and I I just I had no idea that it was that what it was you know I'd heard of a dislocated kneecap yeah. I thought oh, this isn't going to be that bad <laughs> no it's a lot worse than that wow well, well we'll keep an eye on him and where's your daughter remind me she's at Grand Valley State Grand Valley so State. they actually played they won their conference this year it's a division two yeah. program they won their conference and then they actually went on to the Sweet 16 and they lost to Ashland University um, Ashland went on then to win the national championship this year. So in Division yeah, they Two, Duluth, I think, they beat right? Duluth. Yeah. So yes, Minnesota Duluth, and yeah. actually, you know, uh, National Player of the Year, yeah. Brooke Olson. So it's kind of a neat thing. Yeah. Um. And you coached there, right, as an assistant at Grand Valley? I co- actually a head coach. So I was head a head coach, coach okay. at Grand yeah, yeah, Valley. That's right. That's and so right. Our, yeah. the neat part of of basketball and athletics, our, our daughter was born in and then eighteen at, when I was coaching at Grand Valley State, she was in practice at three days old, and that was my first. First season as a head coach, and she wow, was born in January. Yeah. yeah, that's great timing, isn't it? Find a way. I guess we found a way. Yeah. Yeah. And then she, 18 years later, she returned there and started her college career wow. and started as a 18 years later and playing actually for the coach that I coached with at Grand Valley and Mike Williams. So she gets to play for a very, very dear friend and someone that I just have an incredible amount of respect for. So she's really, really fortunate. So she was in the gym at three days old. She was. And now she's playing there. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, your Wisconsin background, you grew up in rural Wisconsin, I did. right? Uh, West Bend. Uh, on a farm? I did. So how do you think that shaped uh, how you became uh, who you are? Well, I think a lot of it is I mean, my parents both worked full time and having the farm was a dream of theirs. And so farming, which is not a part time business, yeah. in case you're not aware, <laughs> was it was a full time job on top of their full time jobs. And so I think the first thing that it really taught was just a sense of work ethic. And and that's something that I, I have my parents to thank uh, to this day for for that. And I think understanding one of the things that I I, I enjoy the peacefulness of being back and 
as crazy as it sounds, like just being on the farm, there's a there's a piece to that. And I think certainly it's it's important. We tell, tell our players, you know, one of the things that I think has really transformed college athletics in the last few years even is the importance of recovery. And so learning how to recover. Well, the same thing is true, I think, certainly for coaches. We, we work a, a lot of hours. We also need to find time to recharge in whatever that way is. And there are certainly different ways for every person to do that. But it is a great way when you're there and it's peaceful to have a chance to recharge a little bit. And farming in general is that way, right? You work, you work, you work. And I'm just thinking maybe stereotypically, but um, you work and then uh, typically uh, a farmer would go fish or go hunt or, you know, uh, plant a separate garden and do gardening as a hobby, which is different than the cornfields or what have you. So there's probably some, some, uh, you know, comparison in that regard too. There absolutely is. And my parents weren't really good at going on vacations or taking time away. And then, you know, my husband's been really good at, over the course of time, teaching me it was okay. Yeah. It's okay to give yourself a, a break and do those yes. type of things. And, you know, but I remember our one family vacation and we had other times that we were away. One of the things that I, I thought, I thought my, my mom's family did a really good job of is every Sunday, you know, the, the the kids were together and the grandkids were together and we'd play, play 500, throw yeah, the ball, hit sure. the ball, whatever the case was, played kickball, those type of things. And so it was just a, a, a time that everyone was together as much as possible. Did you, when you were growing up as an athlete, who were, who were role models? Right. Well, my favorite, and my, my son, AJ, and I actually just got into a, a little debate about this. Debate's a good word, not yeah. an argument, debate about this. <laughs> but my favorite player to watch was when in high school and into college was actually Magic Johnson. Yeah. And why? Because he did everything. He was a point forward when that wasn't now, now the game is so much more versatile. So that's what he's telling me. Mom, he couldn't do this. And mom, he couldn't do that. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? He was as versatile a player as there was at the time. And what I loved about him is that regardless of what his team needed, he was willing to do it. And he had that big smile. He like was it, a joy to watch. He was a joy to watch. Yeah. And so, you know, I really, I really enjoyed watching him. And there, when I grew up playing in high school and college, we didn't have the professional leagues in women's basketball. So I didn't have the same role models now that young girls do growing up. Even college uh, women's games weren't they weren't like what they are now. You know, 10 million people watched right. the championship a couple That's of months ago or whatever, right? I mean, no, it was a big deal. I remember coaching at Wisconsin, and when I was at Wisconsin, they we had a game. It was January, it was a January 3rd or January 6th game, and it was on CBS. And yeah. women's games were not on right. CBS. And we played Georgia, and Georgia hit a three to send it into overtime. Actually, we followed the kid. She didn't make the three. We followed the kid, and they went into overtime, and then we ended up winning. And it was just amazing how many how different it was back at that day and age. So going to college basketball games and watching college basketball games really wasn't anywhere near what it is yeah. now. Remember, so Magic, you you remember this, If he was when he was a rookie, Kareem gets hurt in the finals, right. right, against the Sixers. He played center. He played center. He played, yep. And he was doing hook shots just like Kareem, and then they win the title. I think that was 1980, but yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was a guy for sure to emulate. How cool is it now, though, that, that uh, women you're coaching – 
do have they don't I mean it's great I'm sure Steph Curry can inspire girls as much as boys but that there are That's incredible. women and girls out there and and here even in this city now um, you've got maybe the best over the past decade WNBA franchise right. great coach great players Maya Moore Lindsay all these players Absolutely. want it Final Four was here a couple of years ago in in this community and sold out well they sell out usually anyway but um, there's there's this is a community that is pretty supportive I think. It's incredibly supportive. Sports, right? it, it is. And I, I really believe it's we need to do a great job as a program, as a women's basketball program of reaching out and connecting to to groups within our our community and and building that connection with them. You know, and those are those are things that actually during this time when we're not doing workouts with our players, we are actually looking at how to try to build some of those relationships. But again, it's more important to do it well than to do it fast or do mm-hmm. it quickly. And so it, what's as we go through this and building our community service, it's going to to be important for us. And for, one for our player standpoint, because to whom much is given, mm-hmm. much is expected. And we have incredible opportunities, but we also have incredible gifts. We're, we're given a lot here at the University of Minnesota. And so it's important that we give back. At the same time, what happens then is that more people become connected to our players. And when they become connected to our players, it becomes really special to come out and watch them. And so it, it helps kind of grow both, both our young ladies and our and our fan base, I believe. Yeah, and when those young girls, ten years old, twelve years old, come to the barn to watch a game, right? And if they're kind of waiting there afterwards, just to even get a high five Absolutely. or something, boom! That can. I mean, I'm not going to get too dramatic because it changed someone's life, but it can certainly change the trajectory of that's that's who I want to pay attention to and emulate. Well, I have a really quick story for you. Yeah. So I was coaching at South Dakota at the time, and we had a little program at at South Dakota and it was Coach P's pack because we were the Kyle sure. so it was the pack yeah, right yeah. and so we'll call, I don't, we don't have a group name yet but <laughs> it's it's a group for girls in grades 3 through 8 and we have also have to go through the compliance aspect and get it approved here and haven't haven't done that yet but still, but right, we're thinking about it at this point in time so we had a group there and what was neat about it is that we did a clinic with the girls and they got autographs afterwards and, and then they could come back to games. There were maybe one or two special games a year, and they could be on the floor and high-five the players, and that was awesome. And then our players actually would send letters to the girls. Mm-hmm. And so they would put up their letter up on the, the wall. Yeah. Well, I got a letter from I got a letter today from Mara Braun. Yeah. Like, could you imagine sure. that? And so yeah. they could hang it up, and there's a someone they can name it. Well, anyway, so we were doing this at South Dakota, and we had just – Beaten. It was a, a first time, I believe, in our conference history that both South Dakota and South Dakota State were ranked, and we played against each other. It was early in January. It was a packed house, you know, and we went in double overtime. Oh, man. It was a great game. And after the game, there was a mother who came up, and she was in tears, and she just was like, that was so great. And I'm thinking, yeah, that was, that was pretty special. That was a fun game. And she's like, no, no, no. My daughter is doing really well in her classes for the first time. And she had some learning disabilities. She said, but but because she wanted to come see and she named the players on our team and they've encouraged her to do well in her classes this is the first time that she's really doing wow. what she needs to do. But again, she had some, she had to get help because she had some learning challenges to do that. But to, to the mother, to see her daughter be excited and to and try to emulate our players in our program. And I thought, 
Yeah, that's a lot bigger win than <laughs> us winning a basketball yeah, game. There's no right. doubt that that's a lot more important than what this is. But the win wasn't bad either. Yeah, for sure. And so it, it, it can be life changing for it sure. Can be. Yeah. Well, hey, we've kept you over what we said, but uh, it was great stuff. We appreciate it. Um, we will certainly have you on again as the season gets uh, closer. And um, I know that uh, enjoy the uh, Minnesota summer uh, when right. you can get out and uh, when you get a little free time. Sounds great. Thank you. All right. Thank you. It is episode number 70. I hope you enjoyed hearing from and getting to know better the new Gopher women's basketball coach, Don Plitzelwhite. We appreciate her spending some time with us during a very busy offseason. We'll certainly have Don back on the podcast as we get closer to basketball season. The Go Gopher podcast episode 70 is presented by Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com. We're also partnering with Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, a locally member-owned full-service financial invested in you. You can learn more at affinityplus.org slash gogophers. They also have a top-ranked mobile app you can check out. We're also sponsored by State Farm agent Tony Hoagland. Again, I'd invite you to listen to past podcasts, and right now click the subscribe button to the Go Gopher podcast. It's free to subscribe and free to listen at any time. And please be sure to share the link to the podcast with others so they can subscribe and listen as well. We'll talk again next week.